pray the kinds of honest prayers that many of you, maybe even all of you, have never had the chance to pray. And then end the prayer in Jesus' name. Trusting Him and trusting His promises. End that prayer as Job does, looking to Jesus, trusting Jesus, knowing that Jesus cares for us. You gotta do that. You gotta pray those prayers because when you do, then you'll see God for who He really is. He's your rock. He's your redeemer. He's your mighty warrior. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintiger.com. Well, we're on this third Sunday of this sermon series we've been doing called Anchored. Uh, two Sundays ago, we started this off with a sermon that we anchored ourselves in Jesus, remembering to rest in what he has already done for us. And then last Sunday was kind of a big sermon for us at this church. We anchored ourselves in Jesus as we learned how to let go of our hurt and hang on to Jesus and his promises instead. Now this Sunday, it's kind of an interesting Sunday to jump into. This Sunday, we are going to come out of our suffering with golden faith. We're going to do that with Job. Now you might know a little bit about Job. You might know uh, the, the big events, the big dramatic events that happened to him. You, you might know the Bible history where you see Job. He's a mighty man, a rich man, a family man, a well-known man. And in about the space of two minutes, he loses all of that. He loses his children. He loses his wealth. He loses his place in the community. And later on, he loses his friends as well. But I'll tell you what, all that happens in the first two chapters of the book of Job, and there are 40 chapters left to go in the entire book. There's a lot we can learn from Job. And we're going to do some of that today. We're digging into Job chapter 16. What's happening in Job's life right now is he's sitting in the bottom of a spiritual pit. And we're going to climb down into that pit with him. Job is cycling downward in his life. He's being tempted by Satan. Everything has gone wrong and is continuing to go wrong for him. He's sitting alone in his hurt. And this is what he says. This is Job chapter 16, verses 7 through 21. Job says, Surely, God, you have worn me out. You have devastated my entire household. You have shriveled me up, and it has become a a witness. My gauntness rises up and testifies against me. God assails me and tears me in his anger and gnashes his teeth at me. My opponent fastens on me his piercing eyes. People open their mouths to jeer at me. They strike my cheek in scorn and unite together against me. God has turned me over to the ungodly and thrown me into the clutches of the wicked. All was well with me, but he shattered me. 
He seized me by the neck and crushed me. He has made me his target. His archers surround me. Without pity, he pierces my kidneys and spills my gall on the ground. Again and again, he bursts upon me. He rushes at me like a warrior. I have sewed sackcloth over my skin and buried my brow in the dust. My face is red with weeping. Dark shadows ring my eyes. Yet my hands have been free of violence and my prayer is pure. Earth, do not cover my blood. May my cry never be laid to rest. Even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend as my eyes pour out tears to God. On behalf of a man, he pleads with God as one pleads for a friend. This is God's word. I'm not going to sanitize these words for you this morning. I'm not even going to try to. I don't think it would be that effective, even if I put my best effort into putting Job's words into the spin zone, trying to convince you that this is all optimism, this is all happiness, this is just a phase for Job. I'm not going to try and do that. Not from the beginning where he's starting to marshal his arguments against God. Not where he goes on into detail about all the intricacies of who he thinks God is and what he thinks God is doing to him in the moment. He says that God is his adversary. No, he says that God is like an apex predator, actually. God's like a lion who has stalked his prey and has caught this prey and has trapped him. And now, now that there's no escape for that prey, he's playing with him just having some fun before he eventually kills him. And it's downhill from there, really. After Job accuses God of being an apex predator, he moves on and starts talking about God as a he-man with bulging muscles who just wants to hold Job under the crook of his elbow and punch him as many times as he can, just for fun. And it's downhill from there. He starts talking about God as this general with his archers lined up in front of Job, using Job's body as a pin cushion for target practice. Job's talking like this is meaningless suffering. Lord, just kill me already. He keeps going downhill, though. Job starts depicting God as this mighty warrior in battle who just rushes and rushes and rushes at Job over and over and over again with his weapon beating up his body. And then maybe most dangerous of all, Job calls God Cain in so many words. You might have to dig way back in your Bible history to, to find that reference. It's at the beginning of the Bible, Cain was one of the first people on earth, and he killed his brother Abel. He was the world's first murderer. And God confronts Cain about what he had done, and he says, Cain, I hear your brother Abel's blood crying out for vengeance from the ground. You can hear those words reflected in what Job says to God. He says, Earth, do not cover my blood. May my cry never be laid to rest. 
It's quite clear to see that God is, Job is calling God Cain. He's insinuating that God is slowly murdering him. And we have a name for this. We have a name for what Job was doing in this prayer. It's called a biblical lament. It's a prayer where you come before God and you bring him everything, every, everything that is truly on your heart. You're honest with God even about the things that you wish might be sanitized. And I'm not going to sanitize this. Like I said, first of all, I don't think it would work, but there are a lot of other reasons why I'm not going to sanitize this today. Another big reason is that I think it's worth thinking about. It's worth realizing what happens to us when we suffer. We start to interpret things. We start looking around at our surroundings to to try and find out what it was that was causing our suffering. And 99 times out of 100, when we try to interpret our suffering, we misinterpret our suffering. Like Job. Job was looking around at the things that he could see, and he saw that things were going badly. And he didn't know what we know. We know from God's word that it was actually Satan directly who was causing all of Job's trauma. But Job looked around at what he saw and he blamed God directly for his trauma. He misinterpreted his suffering. I think that's a good thing for us to consider and so I won't sanitize this text. Another big reason is I think it's worth thinking about our culture and grieving. The way our culture does grieving is that we do it pretty privately. Now we know our, our grief personally. We know it so well. And maybe we share that grief with a few, few chosen people, or maybe we, show, we, we share that grief with a chosen professional. But hardly ever do we express that grief out loud like Job did. And maybe our culture is to blame with this. I know our churches are, are often to blame for this. No, lament is all over the Bible. I don't know why we can't do a better job of this. (laughs) There's an entire book of the Bible that's called Lamentations. It's full of them. And the book of Psalms, there's 150 of them, and 65 of the Psalms are songs of lament. And with all of that content in the Bible showing how we can bring ourselves before God, when was the last time that you heard a sermon that was based on a text of lament? And out of all the songs that we have in the Bible that were songs of lament, when was the last time you turned on a Christian radio station and heard the songwriter and the singer complaining against God from beginning to end? We just don't do this very often. And there are some thoughtful commentators about the church who I I think I agree with them on this. They say that this is a big reason why the Christian church is being hollowed out. 
that we don't allow people to lament. You know, you go into the, the typical Christian church and you hear a sermon that's meant to inspire and you hear songs that are meant to make us feel happy and you have programs that are meant, meant to lift us up and empower us and we end up giving off the impression that church is for happy, inspired, put-together people who have something to offer someone else. And that's not Christianity, is it? Christianity is so much the opposite. Christianity is for people who are hurting, who are broken, who are troubled, who are sinful, who are sometimes really angry at God. So there are a lot of reasons why I'm not going to sanitize the words that Job spoke in this text. But the biggest reason, the biggest reason that I want for our church to dig into this text is to give us the chance to dig into our own spirituality like Job did. I'm willing to take a bet here that most of you, if not all of you, have never prayed a prayer like this one. I'm thinking that most of you, if not all of you, have had thoughts like Job is thinking and have maybe even spoken them out loud to someone, but I'm guessing that none of you have ever articulated those thoughts to God in the form of a prayer. And why is that? I mean, is it, is it because we don't have troubles to articulate? If that's the case, I'll gladly switch with you. But I don't think that's it. Why is it then? You know, God tells us that he wants us to pray. He's made us his children through baptism. He's opened the door to his throne room. He's removed the barriers between us when he sent his son to die on the cross and when he created faith in our hearts. He tells us that he wants to hear everything in us. And we know in his word that he already knows everything in us. And so what's stopping us? What's stopping us? from bringing our hearts to God, our Father in heaven. I think part of it is that we're scared to do that. We're scared to bring these things before God, and we're scared to admit that we're angry at God to ourselves. And I think maybe even probing the issue a little bit more, what are we scared to admit? We're angry at God. And so we don't want to talk with Him. We're angry with Him about the way that our life has gone or about the way the world is going or we're, we're disappointed with Him that things aren't going as well as we wish they would. We're shutting God out when we do this. we realize how far above and beyond God has gone in order to give us the ability to come to him in prayer. And, and our reaction is to shut him out. 
It's a dangerous thing to do to shut God out of your heart. And so God gives us his word. And we see a prayer like Job's today. You see Job's pain. And you see Job's trust at the end as well. You know why this, this text is included in the Bible? It's, it's so that God can call on you to name your pain. It's so that God can call on you to give your true complaint to him, whatever it is, whatever it is that has you angry at God. God is calling on you to grieve with him. And let me tell you, that is a powerful gift. It's so much more powerful than secular therapy. It's so much more powerful because it is grieving with God who has the power to heal us. It is a profound gift and God is calling on us to take it seriously, not just for our emotional catharsis. One thing we've got to realize about the book of Job is the biggest teaching that it offers us. That if you watch Job throughout the book, his faith grows. And it's really interesting how it grows. He gets down into these emotional pits and he scrapes around at the bottom of those emotional and spiritual pits and you know what he finds? He finds a new foundation to stand on. If you watch him really closely, you can see what God is doing. He's teaching Job. And he's helping him to believe more and more clearly. It's amazing to watch. I'll take you through just a little bit of Job's growth. In Job chapter 9, Job gets into the bottom of his pain. And then as he climbs out of that pit, standing on the new foundation which he has in his Lord Jesus, He's able to make a statement like this. If only there were someone to arbitrate between me and God, he says. Job's starting to climb that first mountain peak of his faith. And the first one he climbs is that one. He says he needs someone to come in legally and stand in between him and God because he wants to be at one with God. And then he falls into another emotional and spiritual pit and he scrapes around down there. He finds another place to stand and he climbs back up into a spiritual high point and the next thing he does is he looks to Christ. It's not just a wish for an arbitrator. He knows he has an arbitrator. He knows and he's able to say this. He says, even now, my witness is in heaven. He says that I have someone right now who is on my team in heaven who is fighting for me. And then he falls down into another pit of despair and he scrapes around there for a while and he finds a new place to stand in God's word and in his promises and he climbs up to this third mountain peak of his faith and he makes a much more profound statement this time. You can see his faith is truly growing. 
This time he makes a statement that, that my, many of you might know. It's a statement that we say a lot around the time of Easter. It's been turned into a famous song. In the midst of his deepest and most profound suffering, Job's faith is growing. And he's able to make a, a statement like this. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth, and even after my flesh has been destroyed, I will see him with my own eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. As Job goes deeper into the pit of his suffering, his faith grows higher than ever. It's an amazing thing that we get to learn from this book of Job. Jesus has successfully argued your complaint before God. Job wished for an arbitrator, he has one. Job wished for a witness, he has one. Job wished for a redeemer, he has one. That's what the resurrection of the dead was about. And here's the result. You now deserve exactly what Jesus deserves. You deserve eternal life. You deserve to be blessed. You deserve to be loved because Jesus deserves to be loved. You know, a lot of people think that you shouldn't pray these kinds of prayers. I disagree. And frankly, I think that the prophets in the Bible would disagree. And why are we to pray these kinds of prayers. Because at the end of the day, they represent the kind of faith that we have in God. When we're able to go to God and say, Lord, you're looking kind of like an enemy right now, and I'm feeling hurt about that. I'm looking in your word, and I see your promises. I see what you've done, done for me, and I'm trying to reconcile those two things. What's happening in your heart is that you're holding God to his words and his promises and that's exactly what God wants you to do. Job is fighting the fight of faith and that's exactly what I want for you and now you know how to do it. Pray honest prayers. Pray the kinds of honest prayers that many of you, maybe even all of you, have never had the chance to pray. And then end the prayer in Jesus' name. Trusting him and trusting his promises. End that prayer as Job does, looking to Jesus, trusting Jesus, knowing that Jesus cares for us. You gotta do that. You gotta pray those prayers because when you do, then you'll see God for who he really is. He's your rock. He's your redeemer. He's your mighty warrior. Let's pray about that. Lord Jesus, we come to you as someone who has also grieved and has expressed himself honestly to God. You gave us not just an example, but also mediation for our prayers. You've shown us that we can really trust God. Lord, I pray for all those who are angry today or, or, or bitter or feel far from you. 
Give them the gift of lamentation from the soul, the gift of praying to you, their Father. We come to you in Jesus' name, our Advocate and our Redeemer. Amen.